0: Hey, security peeps. We are live with another edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity. It is CISO Thursdays. And all of our CISOs are here today with extra guests. So this is super duper exciting. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping awesome people hire great talent. Before we get started and go around with our introductions, I want to make sure that you all subscribe to our YouTube channel, subscribe to James's YouTube channel, <laughs> subscribe, subscribe, and um, give us thumbs up and all that other good stuff that you do when you go on YouTube. James will wrap it up on the other side of that since he is our coach in <laughs> <laughs> while he helps us build our world here. So next up, Dan, Dr. Dan Schaefer. Danny. Dr. Danny. Hey.
1: Uh, my company's peak performance strategies I'm a business and sports psychologist I work on mind game strategies for people who want to get competitive edge to move uh, away and apart from their competition very very quickly and uh, basically what I do is I help them sell mistakes
0: Excelente. The wonderful, the awesome, the not-so-often see so recently on our show, CISO, (laughs) Naomi (laughs) Buckwalter.
2: Hey, everyone. Naomi Buckwalter, 20 years in tech. uh, I'm turning 40 this month, so I'm still 39. Let's just hang on to that for a little bit.
0: (laughs) So it's better on the other side, girl?
2: (laughs) Uh, That's what I hear. My bones are not working anymore.
0: (laughs) The James Azar.
3: Happy Thursday, everyone. Welcome to seven today's seven show. Seven. Thank I'm you. of these. I'm excited about the next guest. Like, I don't want to speak. I just want Ryan to speak.
0: <laughs> Ryan. So we have another yeah. CISO in the house today. Ryan. Ryan Glover. Say hi to everybody, Ryan.
4: Hey, everyone. Uh, I think James just wants to talk to me every week. So any, <laughs> any chance that he can, he's, he's going to pull me into something.
0: <laughs> he's like, make R- Ryan's coming on. Ryan's coming on. So Ryan was on James's show last. Was it last week? Um. Yeah. Okay. Last week, and then he's here this week. So we got to figure out a way to, like, you know, make him come back some way, somehow. But Ryan is here to kick it with us. So we are kicking off today with Intern Gate.
3: We need, like, dramatic music for that one. Do, do, do,
0: do. Yeah. I got right? sound effects and stuff going on intern gate. Naomi, you want to talk about that one? Yeah, we need the sound of children
2: crying in the background because this is the intern. saddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> the story is, the solar, former SolarWinds CEO went on the public wet waves in the news and said, you know, the reason why we were breached is because an intern set the password to a file server. I believe it was a FTP server. I'm not too sure. Correct me if I'm wrong. And the password was very weak. I think it was like SolarWinds123. The thing was, the intern was what, back in 2019 so this this issue had been around for a while, but the fact that the CEO went on the air and just publicly blamed an intern, I just had so many feelings about that. And I will open it up to everyone else, but I will just, you know, prep the story. That's what happens, and it was a uh, terrible, terrible thing. So.
0: I thought it was ridiculous too when I saw the um uh was it Congresswoman or I think it was a congresswoman, and she kept pulling up like solar winds 123. My password for my kids is YouTube is better than this. And when he said it, I was just like, Are you serious? You're really gonna say that an intern said a password three years ago, and that's what <laughs> took the whole world down.
3: So, so you you want to kind of break that in to the idea of SolarWinds was a victim of a crime, right? So we're not going to dog them for it in a way. But what we are going to say is they probably made easy bait considering the fact their leadership is blaming an intern within their cloud or FTP team or whatever team this intern was on. If that intern is watching or listening, or if you know that intern, we are going to offer him free support for the rest of his life
0: or her because
3: or her yeah him or her like i don't mean him like as in male or female like i i know that's kind of like a thing but yeah whoever that intern is whatever they are we will offer them free support on cyber couch whatever they want Mm -hmm. come
4: on it's kind of shameful though there's like no ownership at all it's it's almost like ted ted cruz all over again throwing his wife and family under the bus like (laughs) like take ownership and 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 be responsible. And it, it may be uh you know, a due care problem too. Like if, if in, you know, two, three years you had not known that this password existed in your environment, like, like what, what are you, what are you doing? What kind of operation are you running?
3: Well, that's, that's the scary part, right? Is what kind of operation are you really running to where your intern can set a password with no peer review, leave it out there, put it within, I think it was their GitHub repository. Like it was, that password was put through their GitHub repository, like public-facing repositories. So it's it's a matter of it's a systematic failure, and I don't want to I don't want to put salt in an open wound. But we're um, three and a half years after Equifax, and that was by far one of the largest major like leadership challenges. Like it was a cultural issue like it was an organization cultural issue they don't have it today right they have really good leadership today they're they're taking cyber very seriously obviously um but back then it was a it was a leadership issue that kind of led equifax to the idea where they couldn't patch apache strut or whatever because they were forwarding patch notices through email and not using a project management system right to just kind of like give people tasks like you could have created an excel spreadsheet for that
4: but going back to what you said though, like about peer review, more than the intern know, knew about this password, right? He had to have right. given it to someone else. It had to have been in some shared vault of some sort. It was. So, it was so on like, GitHub.
3: It was right. on GitHub. It was like plain text on GitHub.
2: Your shared vault is a public repo. <laughs> There are so many systematic failures, James is like his face is just melting right now. But I mean, not just from a technical and operational failure, it is from a leadership perspective. Also, I mean, we have they, they failed big time. Uh, and then the fact that they're a victim. Yes, I do feel bad. I don't want to pile on. But they kind of just lost my respect when the CEO just goes, hey, not my problem. It well, he's the former problem. CEO. Former. The, right. Yeah. But, but the, he, but the speaker. He's,
3: he's but the, the yeah, former. He,
2: C- somehow still representing SolarWinds.
3: So, well, he's, he's, he's not representing SolarWinds. He's subpoena- he was subpoenaed by Congress mm-hmm. to go testify about it. He was let go a short time after. And I wonder if that was like, I wonder if he did the same thing in like the board meeting as he was letting the board know that they've been part of. So, uh, Mr. CL, what was the reason we got breached? Well, you know, we had an intern who set up SolarWinds 123. And so what we really should do is address the intern and all that middle management. And you're like,
0: you don't get a whipping boy or girl. That's
2: not, yeah,
3: that's not I, what I can, a leader is. No, no.
0: I, I, I'm kind of wondering if there was actually an intern. Like, did this? It's so ridiculous sounding to me. Like, yeah, you're
1: right, Renee. It sounds like somebody plugged the fan in. <laughs> yeah, did
0: tell, Dan, tell your fan story.
1: <laughs> somebody said, "When when should I call you?" And I said, "It's going to be very easy to remember. You imagine a big fan packed with wet manure." and a guy with a plug by an outlet you call me before he puts the plug in the wall <laughs> that's
0: pretty much what happened <laughs> you must So some comments here, folks. Dutch says Naomi has all the feelings about this. I'll just yeah,
2: I want to say like most of my sadness here is because some executive is now going to see the story and say, you know what? Now I have a valid excuse to never hire an intern or entry level person again. Look what can happen. Right. Look, the world burned down. It's because of this intern. So I, I believe a lot of CEOs and executives are kind of be like, you know what? I'm glad someone actually said that because now I can go back to my board or to my team and say we don't really need an intern because of all these bad things and all the risks that can happen. And so to me, I was like extremely sad because my entire message is like give these people a chance, teach them and train them, show them what good security looks like, and take the blame if something were to happen. Give them room to make mistakes. That is what learning is about. And not only are are they going to learn, you are also going to learn as their teacher. The best way to learn is to teach. It's called the prototype effect. It's actually quite amazing. If you've ever been a mentor or a teacher or a tutor, you know what I'm talking about. You go out there and you teach because now you know the ins and outs of every bit of that subject matter that you are teaching. It's the same thing. If you are teaching the intern, you will know everything about that system, everything about that protocol, etc. And I think more people should do it, but I have a feeling some security executives and team leads are going to see this and say, okay, no more interns
0: ever. That would be asinine. I think
2: okay, that would
1: be very hard to happen in a coaching culture. <laughs>
0: Naomi's like, let me tell you something.
1: I N-
3: Naomi, a- I actually disagree with you on this one. I I, no. I, I, feel like the intern blame coming from a fired, disgruntled CEO in front of Congress in, and the outcry of it is going to be the whole purpose of... Of no, no one's going to say no to interns again. I think part of this is the, is the leadership cultural challenge within an organization when they do bring in interns where they don't look at interns as proteges, like you just said. They look at them as like a cheap workforce, like, hey, go set this up, do it now. And no one's really bothering to review the work, right? No one's really bothering to really train that person, but rather they're saying, hey, intern, come here, do this now, get it done, Um And just set it up and then give it to me and I'll take it from there Um, rather than someone actually coaching an intern. Like we need to remind people what interns are all about.
0: And if that's the case, that's really, really sad because, you know, the whole purpose of getting interns are to grow and the, the purpose of bringing in an intern team or an intern class. Or one or two interns is that you can hopefully hire them into full time work. It's almost like you're trying them out to see if they're, you know, if they have what it takes to be like your entry level analyst or your right out of college person, and you know, move them into a new role. So. It would be really, really sad if you know what Naomi said is is happening, and I hope what James said actually does happen. And look at this, Prathmesh says, guys, thanks to you all, great to you all, and great I'm tips. I got a job. It's been one week already. Enjoying.
1: Congratulations. Congratulations, man. We got to put you in that
0: nineteen twenty. What, what are we at now, James? We're at nineteen, 20,
3: 20, 20. I believe. We are at nineteen and twenty twenty one.
0: 19 people hired still good people. still good i know 221
2: 2- is a bit of a goal but it's aggressive it. It but you know but- what
3: it's 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 we're, we're just coming out of a um lockdown period so i imagine that the job growth for a lot of these cyber security roles is really going to grow over the next three months i think we're going to see an increase in jobs
0: I'm already seeing it. I am completely slammed with hiring. Anthony Davis. Let me shout some people out. Anthony Davis says, hello, everyone. He tells Naomi, you are still young. He is right. The fun starts at 40. (laughs) Dutch says, the matrix might explode with three CISOs in the same live stream. I know. I'm like trying to reach out and hug everybody. Uh, Let's see here. We made Dutch's comment already. Patrice says, definitely missing the accountability from leadership. So that's when we started talking about the ex-CEO blaming the intern. Daniel says, hi, all. Ben is here. Hey, Ben. Happy Friday Eve, everybody.
3: Um, So so we have Ryan here. So I want to ask Ryan a question. Um, Ryan... Uh How do you, how do you, what's your policy when you bring on interns to your team? What's some of your best practices? I think instead of really highlighting how Solar One's messed up, let's share some best practices. And I am the optimistic one today, and Naomi's the pessimistic one today. We're switching roles for today. I know it's it's not Friday the 13th, but it's March 4th. So
4: it's weird. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, first and foremost, like, I I would never bring on an intern if I didn't have a real purpose for it. It's not just to do busy work, you know, you, you, I think, Naomi, you said it, like, you, you want to grow this person and see if they're going to be a fit for you later on. So uh, the key thing is, like, pairing them with someone who could be a mentor right away and really setting expectations of that that relationship and, and what you expect out of them, not just from, like, a deliverable perspective, but, like, where you want to see them grow and and, and learn. And, like, failure is okay. Like, like you said, you're only going to learn from your failures. It's like, what what do you do? Like next, do you, if if you make the same mistake twice, then then that's a problem. And really, that going back to solar winds, I'd, I'd be interested to know what changes have they implemented after learning about all of this to prevent something like this from happening again. Uh, because it sounds like what they did was maybe extremely manual and not automated. But going back to it, like you you have to have like a contract to a certain extent with that intern, and and really grow. And I mean, I, I've had some amazing interns, and you, you like they they have. My my old calculus teacher called it the HOTS, the higher order thinking skills. Like, like you put someone in, and you see them just like they pair with someone, and they're just like they they have this crazy energy, and they start delivering, and the 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 mentor is like, man, this this, this individual is amazing, and they start pushing and doing more. It's it's not about busy work though. It's about really seeing where this person can can go. I did have one intern, who I'm still, he'll probably end up watching this. He came in, interned, and he never got his degree because he loved the the program he was in so much and we hired him. He he has what one or two classes and you know who you are and, and I, I'm trying to push this individual to finish school as well, uh, ten years after the fact. But um, yeah, again, it, it's it's all about having that that relationship and, and really uh you know having a, a good deliverable for what they want to do.
3: Yeah, that's, a, that's an awesome point, Chris, because it's it, it all starts, like, unfortunately, it all starts with leadership, and fortunately and unfortunately, and that's one of those things when you bring on an intern, right? You don't want to bring on an intern for busy work. Um, you really want to have a purpose, and you really want to see the intern grow, and I think that's the biggest thing for a lot of people is when, when I bring on an intern, I have a specific goal for that intern, meaning I know where what they're coming with and their knowledge skill is, and I want to know where they're going to be a month down the road or two months down the road or three months down the road, no matter how long the internship is. But typical internships about 90 days, no more. D- do you do the same thing, Ryan?
4: Yeah. And um, where I was previously, we did a lot of work with uh, – it's a company called Code Platoon. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it it basically helps veterans get into IT jobs. It's not so much cybersecurity focused, but, um, you know, they would go through like a six month boot camp and then we would have internships for them with specific goals for them to try to achieve based off what they learned. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's that's key to it. Like, because otherwise, if you just have a warm body sitting there, like, what's the point? You're you're not getting any value out of it, you know, as a as a team or as a as a company. And they're they're not really getting much out of it just by doing busy work, kind of like you said.
2: And I will say we have to do a better job in general getting internship positions available out out there. And on a lark, I kind of just did some research. Uh, I love the numbers. I looked up how many internships are posted out on LinkedIn, and I think it was something like 1.3%. 1.3%. Of all the jobs, cybersecurity jobs, I think in the United States, um, just for that, but 1.3 percent. And then I just went through some of the internship, uh, you know, requirements, and some of them were unpaid. First of all, not loving that. But I looked at the requirements themselves, and they were pretty high and pretty strict. And I was very surprised. And then I saw the number of applicants for each one, and they were in the hundreds for every single one. So I need to say, like, we need to do a better job in general, like be brave hire an intern they're great oh my god i'm gonna stay the
3: optimist for the entire episode today wow (laughs)
2: okay we'll switch (laughs) wow
3: you know it's all ryan's fault um but 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 so i'll tell you this i don't i don't ever post internships on linkedin I always do them through universities I work with. Like I have relationships with schools in my area or schools where I want to hire people from. So, for example, like Kennesaw State or University of North Georgia. And when I want an intern, I go to their job board. I go to their intern board at the school and I post it and I get applicants for it. Like I've never thought, Naomi, to post it on LinkedIn
2: yeah mine's not posted publicly either. I will say there is that hidden job network and uh, so you want to know where to go. and if you're in school, you're gonna be placed with those connections a lot easier. But I want to say like we probably don't know what the number is for those hidden jobs. Um, but if anything is showing us with that one point three percent, it's probably not much higher. So I will say that
3: no i, I wonder and- I wonder why people would post that though on LinkedIn, right? Because how many students do you guys like how many college students are actually active on LinkedIn?
0: Yeah. Probably not that much. They're probably on like Handshake or the college. Right. We post
3: places. Yeah. We post everything on Handshake. Like we don't use, we've never, I've never thought of using like LinkedIn for internships.
0: The big companies, the ones that have like those big multi hundred, you know, spend thousands of dollars with LinkedIn and you automatically have, it's like an automatic post. Those will get posted up there. But I, I, I think you're right, James, in that they probably, if you're a smaller shop and you're trying to think of where to get the best bang for your buck when it comes to interns finding you or that college population finding you, you're probably posting on Handshake or one of those other, um, or the, the, the college, the university's website.
3: I will say one thing. I am doing something here in Georgia locally, and it's with Partnership Gwinnett. So Gwinnett County in Georgia and Partnership Gwinnett, which is kind of like the economic and workforce development arm of Gwinnett County, we're actually doing an internship program through Partnership Gwinnett for technology and cybersecurity for high school-aged kids, because high school-aged, high school-aged kids aren't on a handshake, for example, and the rate of kids in Gwinnett County that actually go to college is, I think, around like 60 or 65 percent, so there's 35 percent that don't really continue for higher education, so the idea is if they're not going to higher education, could they come into and do an internship program and really go do a cert or two um, through some of the scholarship programs that exist or through some of the org tuition reimbursement and work for the org?
0: Yeah, uh, no, there's I all kinds too. of great programs when it comes to internships. And the ones that I've seen work really, really well, especially at like some of the most of the ones that I've worked on have been financial services. So they were pretty needy. They were bigger internships where they're hiring, you know, 60, 70 tons of tons of uh, college students. Um, and the one thing I would say is if you're hiring an intern, if you have the budget and if you're a smaller shop, try to hire, two, because, They kind of work together. It's almost like you know when you have small when you have kids and they're in a and and I'm not saying college students or kids, but (laughs) when you have them and they they kind of work better together and work better off each other. And you can train two people, you know, to do things. so, you know, I would put that out there. But the, the, what Ryan described, you know, in terms of having that a program, an actual program with some kind of result at the end um, is key when you bring in interns. Um, when I was an intern, I remember like there was a big project at the end. We had to do a presentation, you know, <laughs> there was a whole, it was a program and you ended it on, um, something that the company hopefully was going to use for, and move forward. And some of the folks that I talk to, some of the leaders that I'm, I'm working with now, their intern programs, it's like what they are, that person leads that. And then they could potentially, when they come back, if they take the job and the, you know, they they do it in the summer and they take the job the next year in the fall, or they come and they work full time, then they run that project. And it in some cases become like huge projects. So... Interns can do so much. I know Chris wanted to say something. Hey, Chris, this yeah, is here. Um, the whole thing here today. I
5: was going to say, um, what, what Naomi mentioned with the requirements um, between internships and entry-level jobs, those requirements are just crazy. But then I wanted to um, comment on one of my former employers, and I'll call them out by name because their internship program, I thought, was one of the best that I've seen. Um cancer treatment centers of America, they would rotate in a, um, a school of interns, probably 10 or 12 of them, and they would rotate between departments within the organization, and they would be treated as full legit employees during their internship, and treated with responsibilities given projects, and treated like they would um, a real employee. So by the time that they're done with their three-month internship uh, for the summer, they've had experience in marketing, in IT, in finance, and working with everyone from VPs, the CEO, on down. And it's just amazing experience to see them go through such a a well-defined program and have exposure to different um, aspects of the organization so um, I just wanted to give them credit it it was a um, I think that they, they would get on uh, 2,000 plus applicants for their program and they would only choose like 12. Um, so it, it's really highly sought after but it's a really well-defined developed program.
2: Sounds like it. can they share how they do that and their yeah. how they pro- the frame their program I like I'd love to copy that.
0: I actually I can I can put you in touch with somebody too, Naomi, hmm. because I, I, I used to run internship programs but it was ages ago. But I, I work with a um, hire someone actually recruited someone who does amazing internship programs. And she does she did. It, it was similar in some of the organizations where I've been, where it's a it's a it's a very um, it's a program to wait to what Chris described where you have a full, you know, you pretty much plan, have planned out their whole 12 weeks, you know, the kickoff, you know, the end date, you know, everything that's going on in between, the types of projects they're going to work on, group projects, presentations, the whole nine. And at the end, the goal is that most companies that when they do it well, it's your pool, it's your feeder. It's like, okay, we're going to get these people in next year. You know, we want to hire, you know, if they want to hire a hundred, they might do, you know, 150 interns or 200 interns and say okay we're going to give offers to 120 and anticipate that 100 will accept or something to that effect so it um you know it the ones that do it really really well like chris's experience i know pwc had a phenomenal like their the, the way they turned it they got intern, interns through the door was amazing in um, some of the financial services places that I've worked. Even Freddie Mac, when I was at Freddie Mac, there, there was a really, really awesome internship program that a lot of people were still at. All right. Chris had to run. Tons of comments going on in here today. So, let's go through some of them. Um, Hugo says, it's his first time joining and enjoying the conversations. Looking forward to listening every Thursday. Thanks, Hugo, for being Thanks, here you. with us. Chinaju says, good afternoon, everybody. Mark says, glad to see Naomi on here today. Loving your posts. Thanks, um, then I would think talking about those preventative changes at SolarWinds publicly could help many other organizations dealing with similar breaches in the future. Yeah. That's- Wants to know, can we pull on James's The Optimist thread? Why aren't there more internships, training programs, or structured opportunities to move laterally into cybersecurity from other domains already inside a company?
3: Because that starts with us as CISOs. So I've got two other CISOs on here today. So we're, we're, we're I might uh, engage both of them now on this specific debate because I love Dutch and Dutch always brings thought-provoking stuff. Um, so part of it is because CISOs... Um, oftentimes don't want to look within the, the organization to move people over. And that's traditionally been something that I've seen when I've done like roundtables and we talk about something like this. Um, most people are like, yeah, well, I'm looking, I'm going to go look more at universities or people who have a little bit more of an experience, have some level of experience or another. And predominantly it's where, where the reason why these don't take place. Um, one, it's either because we don't have the time or the resources to administer these types of programs internally. Number two, um, it's corporate culture. Sometimes corporate culture says that don't touch my department, don't approach my people, don't cross-train them. My, oh my people God. are my people and your people are your people. I won't pouch them. Don't pouch mine.
0: That's and dumb. now
3: I will stop and let <laughs> Naomi and Ryan debate. <laughs>
0: Who wants to be first?
2: Oh, I'll I'll say like just my personal experience, I was able to move laterally from an application development shop into application security. So I agree with Dutch, what he says. It is quite a lot easier to move laterally. And Renee, you say this all the time, like just move within your company. You're already there. Just move in, just make connections, make a network and then ask them for a favor, right? And that's uh, certainly something that's happening now. I have a new person joining my team and he was in the call center. He, He raised his hand, told his supervisor, I don't like this anymore. Can I move to IT? And so for the past year or so, he's been working, uh, just kind of in small ways, trying to get onto the IT team, and it finally worked. And he's starting in April.
4: Congratulations. Yeah. So, so my entire team was built uh, via poaching. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I think it was, I think it was unique. Well, I look at it from this perspective in security you're exposed to a lot of sensitive information and a lot of sensitive events. So there was a, a trust thing that I, I really wanted to ensure the entire company had in, in the, in the team itself. So taking, I actually got in trouble from some of the other managers. I, I took rock stars from all their teams and built my team. Um, and, you know, that, that helped them be successful and help the program really bootstrap and, 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 Uh, get started right away but then we continue to use those teams as feeder teams because i I think i mentioned on on the podcast last time um (laughs) my dog just came in um
0: (laughs) put him on (laughs) there
4: we go um that you know some of the core foundational skills that i was always looking for was network and like low-level network and operating system as well as development chops so those were the individuals i would i would look for and then it, it was easier from my perspective to backfill someone for an infrastructure role than it would be for a security role, especially given the, the time that, that they had within the organization. Um, so yeah, we, we had those we had that program essentially. It was at more ad hoc, not, not formal. Um, but yeah, the, the goal was always to hire from within, and, and people appreciated that. My, my dog just wants, wants to look me.
0: <laughs> bring him on it's, yay i know i love the puffy he it, it, i mean ryan that's how every single person that i've spoken to who broke into security like 10 years ago and back it, I would say probably 99% of them, almost every single person was working somewhere else. They were doing something in IT, they were in network, you know, they were a sysadmin, they were something, and it's like, oh, we need people for the security spot, so, you know, either volunteer or somebody, you know, you, you, and you, you know, work on the security stuff. That's how almost everyone that has a lot of experience has gotten into security, The way Ryan did it, the way Naomi did it. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me that now all of a sudden you have all these people or you have this like apprehension. And I don't say you all one, you know, leaders out there around bringing in people that are not, that are, that are, you know, in it, it just, to me is a no brainer. Like that's how you fill these positions. And Ryan, to your point Exactly. You're exactly right. It's easier to b- backfill network engineers and all that kind of stuff. Those people are they're more they're easier to backfill those folks and get those folks into a role versus going out and poaching either either going out externally to find someone that's going to fit in your culture that's going to know everything about your internal system, mm-hmm. you know, like.
3: It just Well, you, you need to have a model for lateral movement within an organization. And again, it goes back to organizational culture. So when Ryan did this, when Naomi did this, the culture within the organization, like you said, it was the culture 10 years ago in security. Hey, we need someone to do this project. Who in IT volunteered? I can't tell you how many sisters I've had on my show. When I've said, how'd you get into cybersecurity to go? Well, I wasn't really in cyber. I was in IT. I was in engineering. I was in architecture. They had a security project. They wanted someone to volunteer. I was the guy who raised his hand. And that's now I'm 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 a, I'm a CISO. And so you, you're right. But now we've gotten to a point where we look for certs. And the way we're right, like we can go back to our original discussion that we always have on here. But the idea of like... Um, HR adding all these different requirements for specific roles. And, you know, Naomi had something very interesting that that she posted a little while ago. I think it was last week where she said that most of the time when we post a job rec, we already have one or two people in our heads that we want to kind of fill that role with. Um, And so we're kind of, you know, winking at those people saying, please apply. And we're probably going to hire you for this unless, you know, you're really you know, don't want it or, or, or screw up bad. But at the same time, when it comes to lateral movements within a company, you've got to be in an organization that supports growth within and across. And unfortunately, some cultures today don't do that. And I know that's like very difficult to hear. But it's the it's the truth i've seen it with companies where we'll be on a we'll we'll be vetting a vendor for for my company right and we'll be on a security you know questionnaire call and they'll have someone from their security team their engineering team and their architecture team and they have a guy in architecture who's like like this guy could be a security architect like he's smart and he's just a basic solutions architect for him i'm like why isn't this guy in your security team like why isn't he doing this work and they're like well, he's just a solutions guy. So we want to keep him on the solution architecture side. And you're like, why you have a guy here that can like, think of how much time and money you invest. Probably every time a CISO like me vets you and you take this guy out of his job and you take a bunch of other people out of their work to do this. Like that cost of the business is insane, but no one looks at this. And that's the problem is it's very um, it's very narrow minded thinking um of don't touch my team, don't poach it. And like Ryan said, like he got in trouble for poaching superstars. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean if you poach too many of them, yeah, you're gonna get <laughs> you're gonna get in trouble. But You know, hopefully, hopefully everybody in these organizations are playing nicely somewhat together and realizing you're all there for a common goal, which is to move the company forward and not concerned about poaching, you know, holding your people back. Because what will end up happening is then you have a retention issue because that solutions architect will eventually get a job in security elsewhere, you know, like people move so it's fascinating to me that these cultures I, i'm i'm really curious about how these companies that have this cultural you know this non-movement culture how long they keep their employees and how much money they do spend in turnover because the easiest way to keep somebody you know every time i talk to a security person that's leaving their job or considering leaving their job the number one and number two thing has to do with growth And like, it's, it's, it's almost always growth. It's like training programs, you know, making sure I go to conferences, keeping up with the industry, all of that, getting more exposure, getting, making a bigger impact. Like, it's the same two or three things every single time. So if whoever's in these organizations and you have in this culture of, oh, I'm going to hold on to my person, you can't hold on to somebody, they will eventually leave. So, would you rather them leave and move into another position in your company and make your company better, or leave and go to the competitor or whoever else, um, and leave you with a hole? It just it's just bizarre to me. It Doesn't make any sense. You guys are preaching today. Go ahead, yeah, Ryan.
4: I'll after I, I think the key, like I, I would have one-on-ones with, you know, my peers with with my my team, and really understanding what what are your career goals? What do you what what motivates you? What 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 is a challenge to you? I I, I had one guy who. Told me literally, I 100% cannot stand vulnerability management. He like I, I I hate it with all my heart, and I'm like, well, great, I'll get you out of that because I know this other guy really wants to start doing it and and learning about it. Um, but having those conversations and having those relationships is important. Uh, same thing, you know. I knew this other guy. He reached out to me about joining my team, and I said, well, have you talked to your manager first? Because, like, tell him that your ultimate goal is to not continue down the path you're on, but rather you want to pivot to, to something from security. So, like, communication around this is important. And having mm-hmm. the culture, having that culture where you have that open communication is important.
0: So true. Dutch um, says, number one. in
1: been here for a minute. Uh, you know, I, I, I spoke to a guy uh, who was talking about moving from uh, – biomedical research. He said, I really want to get into cybersecurity. He said, but I don't have any of the skills and talents to do that. And I said, well, I'm wondering how much your whole thought process and way of approaching a problem would be beneficial to that environment. I don't know, but but he didn't, it, it comes back again at Renee have done, and I have dealt with this for a long time. People who don't know how much they know and, and don't know how much, how to apply that and then how to pitch it to somebody else. So the amount of guys I see that lead companies who don't know what they do well, it's unconscious competence. So I'll
2: echo what Ryan was saying about kind of being poached from another team. You want to be able to put yourself in a position to be poached first of all. So here's what I recommend. If anyone listening to this is looking to get into cybersecurity and you're hoping to move laterally, this is what you're going to do. You're going to volunteer for the security team, you're going to be a security champion, you're going to ask them, is there any way I can further your agenda within my own team? Is there anything on your priority list that I can take back to my team now and have them focus on? I will be your champion. I will be your advocate. I will be your speaking mouthpiece, whatever you want to call yourself. I call it security champions. And you now act as an extension of the security team. So even though you're not formally on the security team, you are doing the work of a security person, a security analyst, and you're helping further the goals of the security team. And it's like the best way to get one, FaceTime with the security team. And two, it's like a little bit of security experience. And so you're also continuing in your current job. So go ahead and go to your security team if you have one, obviously. Uh, if you don't have one, you can volunteer to do security operations. Like every business needs someone to do security operations. But you just go to your security team. And say, hey, I know you want security to be built in across the organization. How can I improve security culture within my own team? And they will have a bunch of recommendations for you and be like, oh, my goodness, where has this person been my entire life? Here are some things that you can do for us right now. Is it a security architecture review that you can help run? Maybe. Do you have security requirements that you can review and uh, bring onto your own team? If you're an engineer, you have projects and you can say, here are the security requirements for infrastructure or for a web app. Yeah. Awesome. Bring that back and help translate now the security things within your own team. It's a miracle. So do it.
0: I just gave I, I, I probably should have quoted you, Naomi. I gave out that exact advice. Um, I had a conversation with three women who are coming out of a security program, um, a, a, one of these, one, an online school, I can't remember the name, but I gave them the exact same advice because they're seasoned professionals, they're already in their roles. It's like, you want to go volunteer, you want to move over, you want to get your experience and build out your own little world of experience. And even if that company does not have a spot for you, that's okay. You are still building the experience that now you can put on your resume because you actually have done some something in security. Um, comments. Someone says, I love reading Naomi's post. Naomi is the GOAT when it comes to trigger posts. <laughs> oh, I don't know what I'm doing.
2: That algorithm likes words, so I'm like, here are some more words. Algorithm, go ahead. <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. Mark says, I broke into ITV, an internship, and I was doing things that have p- impacted the entire company from my first day. Definitely valuable exposure. So that is awesome. Yeah, it works. Um, I'm trying to go up here. Oh, someone, Chineda says, I think we have, need to have more apprenticeship programs from companies. This is done in Germany, and it works great. If Chris was on here he would that's all that's all Chris talks about the apprenticeship programs. Naomi wants to know what's wrong with paid internships. Oh no, I
2: said unpaid internships. the ones yeah. that I found some of them were unpaid, and you wouldn't you would be so surprised with like the responsibilities were like fifteen bullets long, and they're like, by the way, this is unpaid, uh yes. but you will get credit for your school course or whatever it was I' am just like what that's-
3: by the way we're gonna we're gonna put the entire weight of the company on your shoulders and. <laughs> You're really doing a CISO job, but as an intern, because we don't want to pay a CISO.
0: Yeah. Capitalism. (laughs) All right. I created Operation Real World Experience that consists of multiple cohorts. It gives BCA participants hands-on, real-world experience in real-world environments. We have just kicked off the first cohort participant's role, which is cyber research analyst. And BCA, I believe, is Black the- Cybersecurity
3: right. Association. Right. Black, Black Cybersecurity Cyber. Association or something. Yep. Yeah.
0: And then there was another comment down here. BCA is Black and Cybersecurity Association. <laughs> the previous post. That sounds awesome. That sounds like a great opportunity for people to get real world operation, real world experience. That's what you need. Indeed. Uh Dutch says the crisis in 2000 and then 2008 killed most training and internship programs. We need to make investments now to accelerate our growth upwards in 2021. I agree.
3: Yeah, the investments don't need to make sense for the business, and unfortunately, when businesses to start to um, cut down workforce, typically the first jobs to go are um, those.
0: Yeah, that's the sucky part. Uh, M. Rashad says, "Hi, guys! First timer here. Internships seem far reach for recent PhDs and graduate degree holders because they seem to be overqualified for those internships. Any pieces of advice?"
3: If you're a PhD or a graduate, you shouldn't be looking at internships. You should be rather looking at cross training within the organization you're already with. I mean, if if you're doing a PhD or, or a graduate degree, then you're probably doing it as part of the company. You know, typically you're doing it as part of something to support wherever you're trying to go within your current organization or your career. So, you know, I, 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 I've never had anyone for a PhD apply for a internship. Have you anyone?
0: Yes. It, but, (laughs) The So the master's and the PhDs, but it's for master-level and PhD-level internships. Mm. So depending mm. on if this person is actually like a full-time student that was a a full-time undergrad and then went to into a master's and phd program there are internships for those but you specifically have to look for and i would be I would be all over your your school's career services to find internships that align to people who are doing research or who are masters and phd students because they do have programs that hire you straight out at a different level they don't they don't expect you to be the undergrad
3: Right, work. like you're, you're not going to be a, a a SOC analyst with a PhD or a graduate degree, you're probably going to be doing some work around the, you know, either GRC or, or, or mid level management. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, those internship programs don't really exist. It's more of a, um, those are really unpaid interns. Um, Naomi's is going to hate that, but that's really the unpaid intern. Uh, position. It's that, liberal that, arts
0: degree holders.
3: It's it's liberal arts degree holders. Exactly. <laughs> I was waiting
0: for that one. We, we
3: haven't brought up liberal arts degrees today.
0: Forty-six oh, minutes. Yeah.
3: I've been. I've, I've I've really tried to be patient today, and not bring it up in the first. Yeah, 10 you're minutes. the
0: optimist today.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely the optimist. Forty-five today. minutes
0: in, we couldn't hold back.
3: Forty-five minutes in, liberal arts degree—the biggest fraud a <laughs> university can ever sell a student. Don't liberal do arts,
0: it.
3: <laughs> Don't do it.
0: Naomi, did you have a comment on that one?
2: About PhDs or for for internships? Yeah. Like, so I will say if I saw someone with a PhD apply for my entry level jobs, I would seriously question their judgment. Like, I'd feel like, are you that desperate? Like, so obviously you're spraying and praying. You're not focused on my company. I would pass. I would say this person's either overqualified or not. It doesn't really care about my company. I would rather find someone who really wants to work for us and not really focus on people who are just...
3: Now, are playing. you being a fair and equal opportunity employer by saying
2: that? I <laughs> Probably. Is, education <laughs> level one so of things, is educational level one of the Is educational level one of the covered things? Like, I don't know what it is. Like, can I be biased? Against
3: I'd, I'd, I'd love students? to see HR. I'd love to see HR. Look, this guy's got a PhD level. You know, I know you're looking for an analyst, but he meets all those requirements and then some.
0: <laughs> Overqualified. I mean, I mean, he could literally be
3: the assistant to the CEO at this point.
0: Mm -hmm. People, the the leaders, and and this is a a great conversation because I see this happen and you do get overlooked because you have too much experience and you're overqualified. And the rationale is this person is going to be bored or this person applied and it this doesn't make, oh, this person made a mistake and applied to this low level, you know, quote unquote, you know, for their level of experience, not the right fit, lower level role. And they are going to be bored and they're probably going to leave. And, you know, all of those various things. So I love what it takes to get the PhD. I will say, like, you earn that doctorate. You can call yourself doctor all day. I don't
2: mind. But I think just (laughs) like if you lower your sights after that and hope to get an intern level or entry level job using it like that. To me, it feels just uh, it, it, it was. Okay, I want to get that.
3: an honorary one of those. I want to get like a PhD <laughs> degree now, just so that I can make Naomi call me Doctor James. For sure, I
2: would. Long. I would. I would do it. Put, Put up Dutch's comment though.
3: Put up Duchess comment first. I got. I got. I gotta take. I gotta go to war with Dutch here. I said liberal arts degrees, Dutch. Ooh. I didn't say history. <laughs> history is actually a good degree. It's part of an understudy because we need historians in order to not repeat history. That's liberal arts. No, it's not. Yes, history it is. is not liberal arts.
0: Liberal I think arts.
2: it is too. It's a bachelor of arts in history. Yeah, seriously. Yes. What else? A bachelor of science in history. That's not a thing. Wait,
4: Why not, wait, wait. Uh, James? You're gonna hate my degree. I have a bachelor of arts in IT.
3: What? <laughs> what is arts in IT? What is arts in IT? Can someone explain that to me? I, I, I just I'm gotta, talking like, about you... liberal arts. I'm not talking about bachelor in arts. There's an ex- liberal arts degrees.
0: History is is a part of a liberal arts degree program. Usually when it's art. Like that's Renee how it would happen. know. She specializes in this stuff. The
3: oh, social
0: sciences, baby. <laughs>
3: Social <laughs> scientist,
0: well, Vince, Dutch, with Dutch and like James were you guys were enlisted?
2: Like, that's a whole different thing. Like, if you got a PhD and you were enlisted, I would probably look at your military service and like, You yeah, know, this
3: Dutch's, is I Dutch's watch. Bachelor of Science in History, bam, <laughs> in your face, no <laughs> arts in history, wow. no arts. In history He had to take sciences I respect you Dutch
0: But I believe all liberal arts people had to take sciences I took science I You get practice. a well-rounded education
2: That's A well-rounded education
0: okay. I know nothing <laughs> Oh gosh, this is the joy of my Thursday Alright, let's go back to some more comments here um,
3: Bachelor
0: of Science and History Wow
3: yeah, yeah there's science in history. The world is a science thing.
2: I get it. Yeah, people are weird and people are difficult to understand, but it's already happened. You're not You're not here to further that science. Like that science is done. Once that history has happened, that is done. Yeah. But like studying it, why it happened, maybe. I don't know. An and thing. also so, studying so
3: facts of the science that the t- technology at the time didn't have, that technology today can actually give you more information on. We're on Mars brain. right now. We're on Mars. We're literally exploring Mars as we speak with, like, unbelievable pictures. Like, I don't know if you guys are following some of the pictures that are coming yeah, from exactly. Mars. But, like, I'm waiting for it to find, like, Matt Damon, like, harvesting <laughs> potatoes. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so, <It's> and, <laughs> actually, there's there was, there was a picture of Ryan Pace, the Chicago Bears GM. Looking for a quarterback in Mars. I'm not- oh, <laughs> <that's awesome. laughs>
0: seeing seeing the whole world doing runs. So Clinton says, "Great to be with you guys again. I see you guys have grown in size on the panel. See, he already put you in there. <laughs> he put you in. Uh, great job, guys. Great to have more diversity of thought and experiences. We're like a UN
2: here. If you guys notice, like we have a little bit of everything here. It's amazing. It's so much
0: fun. I love it. It's just like the funnest."
2: We're not
3: like the U.N. We're nothing like the U.N. (laughs) We actually get stuff done. (laughs) The U.N. is just the worst human organization ever made by humans and the biggest waste of money ever.
2: There's the pessimist that I remember. Yeah.
3: As someone someone who's actually done work with those assholes, like they are the most worthless organization on the planet. He's back. I said it right now.
0: Mm -hmm. He's back. Could hold it in 49
3: minutes. The UN, like, I could have stayed very happy. Like, I've been happy for 48 minutes. I said, All
2: right, all right,
3: on the show, and then uh,
2: we're a clothing commercial. Like, we look very beautifully diverse. (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
0: (laughs) it's like Benetton back in the day. (laughs) Ryan's like, like, What did I walk into? James couldn't hold on to his optimistic title. (laughs)
3: I'm like John Wick early in the first John Wick movie. Like, all I want to do is just love my wife, take care of my dog, and drive my nice car. And then some Russian assholes got to come into my house and, like, kill my dog and steal my car. Like, you're going to bring me back.
0: Dutch says the study of history helps us give context when we encounter black swan events and to understand why things happen. Right, I dear?
3: agree with Dutch. I read. I predominantly read history books. That is the way I educate myself. I read history and then try to compare what happened in history to what's going on today. So when people tell me things look very oblique today, or they're not very optimistic about, you know, cybersecurity. Look at cybersecurity. It's gonna change the balance of the world. I'm like, okay. Yeah, let's you go can't back apply with, the
2: scientific method to history. That, that's the whole point. Like it's happened. That's why it's a bachelor of science in it. history.
3: <laughs>
0: will take this offline, James. Science courses, like I have a friend. She had a, a a degree in social work, but it was a bachelor's in science because she took science courses. But it's still a social work degree,
3: right? But I guarantee, if you went to like Starbucks's entire like CV list, it's all like bachelors in arts.
0: Oh come on. <laughs> John De La Cruz says, "Awesome to see and listen to the authenticity. They love the shenanigans on this show."
1: Uh, Renee. But hey, don't you think we need to help James learn to speak up?
0: Yeah, you know, he he seems to have a problem with that.
1: <laughs> I'm very <laughs>
3: oppressed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, Lord. Okay. Naomi, I think she, Naomi wants to know, so are you guys saying that people that are coming from non-technical backgrounds should not seek internships? No, no, no. We are not saying that. I think Naomi was explaining the easiest way to transition within your current company. Um, so not actually going outside and looking for internships, but looking to transition while you are within. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yes, yeah,
2: the, the easiest way, I think, of getting uh, switching into cyber or IT is to make a lateral move. Happens yeah. all the time.
0: Exactly. Um, Clinton made a good point here about the PhD student. Um, depending on where, what area you do your PhD in, it would be worth looking at companies that are doing work in your area of study and break into cybersecurity that way or demonstrate how your PhD can add value to the company in that of their cybersecurity strategy a good point
2: mm, i don't know i still feel i don't know a phd for what we do it's like too academic
0: like only it's, it's PhD. Not yeah it's so some some of the large again larger organizations have when they are looking for you know phds for certain types of work that they want to hire on after the person gets their their uh their doctorate will bring them in as an intern. Same with the MBA programs. If you think about some of those real top, like top twenty-five MBA programs, you get an internship in between. But you're bringing, brought, you're being brought in as a leader. You're in one of those leadership development programs. You're automatically brought in with the MBA and some work experience, and you're coming in. It's an internship, but it's not like you know the basic fresh out of undergrad, junior, going to senior, that internship. It's a different level of an internship.
2: Yeah, I hear you. I think PhDs, we still need them in cybersecurity, but more for like discovering new fields, like using quantum for cybersecurity. Yeah. Like we're, we're going to need the smart and the IQ, um, but for practitioners, like for sure, a PhD is too academic and not practical at all.
3: So, yeah. so kind of, I mean, if you look at NIST, NIST is predominantly very PhD, very very um educational and that kind of that kind of helps in and kind of cultivating different frameworks and different mm-hmm. opportunities like for for cyber but it just depends on what the phd is on right so like um dutch brings up a point here where like a phd in organizational and industrial psychology and in a hot knit
2: i know people with
3: that right of
2: thing. Um, mm-hmm.
3: but but that would be very helpful to have someone like that i mean If you look at some of the bigger CISOs, like the CISOs and like the Fortune 50, where some of them are now, some of the organizations are establishing the Office of the Global CISO. So if you just look at that build, so some of the roles that are built in there is kind of those PhD roles within the Office of the CISO, whether it be organizational or training or apprenticeship programs. They're kind of bringing in those those academic points of view into the office of the global CISO, and keep your eye out for this because I think that's going to be the trend of 2021. By the way, I was on a I was on a call a few weeks ago, and that was a really big thing from a lot of. I, I was on a call with what an association of board members. So these are like Fortune 100 board members, and I was on a panel, and one of the questions that a lot of them asked was should the CISO actually get their own office and not be part of IT? Meaning, should we elevate the role of the CISO? And that's now being discussed in boards by some very, very smart people. And I think that we're going to start to see that more. Look at financial services companies. That's already happened. Mm
5: -hmm. So at
3: JPMorgan Chase, Jason's already opening the office of the global CISO. Um, We're seeing that at Citi as well. They have the office of the global CISO, large manufacturing companies like the the multinationals are now hiring, creating the office of the global CISO. And then the entire cybersecurity business across the entire country is under them. And that applies to our org as well. Like in my org, that's essentially what we did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that we'll start to see the evolution of this. And Dutch brought it up when he was on, you know, that security is still growing. We're still kind of getting to the part where we're, you know, getting mature, getting more mature. And I think you'll start to see that, especially when the Fortune 100 does it, then, you know, it trickles down and other folks kind of follow suit. So we are almost at two o'clock Eastern time. There's a couple tons of comments in here. So if I'm feeling like we should be, we should bring this topic up again. There's a really, really good one, lively discussion. Um, what do we want to wrap with? I want to ask
2: if James is the optimist again.
3: I am. <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm, I'm very, that. I'm, let's, listen, I'll tell you, I'm, a, I'm an optimist because I'm, I'm starting to see meaningful conversations being done by meaningful decision makers around some of the historically challenging issues within cybersecurity. And I think these conversations are going to be game changers for, and it, and for a lot of us. Even if it's not direct, indirectly, it'll impact people's development across different, different business units. We, you're seeing that with a lot of multinationals, but it's going to increase more and more and watch one thing I'm telling you, because I've been getting a lot of engagements on this. Look at VC companies now starting to bring an in-resident uh, CISO, not to sell security companies, but to guide their startups and give their startup security strategy at that role. We have That's going to be a very interesting, that's going to be yeah. like very interesting roles coming. And they time. have
2: a network of other startups that they work with. And we yeah. all work yeah. together. We have a network of CISOs within our own little
0: family. Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Makes sense. It's great. Makes sense. Ben says this has been a great discussion yet again. And Dutch says fire top topic. Singing like the jingle hot pocket. <laughs> keep keep talking about this topic. Lot lots to share. Let's bring Dutch on. Yeah, Dutch, you gotta come back. And he's he's available. So Yeah, he's on the show. <laughs> Me and I talked about this. All right, folks. Thanks again for joining us. Lively discussion. Always awesome. Wonderful seeing everybody here. Um, join us again. Make sure you subscribe and make sure you come back and see us again at 1 p.m. Thursday, Eastern time, 10 a.m. Pacific, uh, on another CISO Thursdays Breaking into Cybersecurity. Bye, everybody.
3: Hi.